0: Fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the Forty and Twenty podcast with your hosts Andrew. I'm a good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you?
1: You know, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm feeling a little sheepish right now. <laughs> a little sheepish because we just recorded. We we well we didn't record, we just did about ten minutes of a show.
0: Dry run. We we had a had a quick dress rehearsal. Yeah, a, you missed the first cans opening.
1: Oh well, yeah, that's too bad. That's okay. You'll get some more. You'll get some more cans. Uh, yeah. No, I am okay. As I was just saying, I have been extremely busy. Sick. We've had about two weeks since we recorded because last week's episode was the Good Speed episode, and we recorded that several, three weeks ago. Several weeks ago. Yeah. So we've had uh, a little bit of a. A, a little bit of a weird scheduling thing but this week we're alone it's just the two of us
0: you and i uh
1: and and so that's nice because it's given me some time these last couple of weeks have been insane with Samesies. with this just you know upper respiratory infection and work has been go 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 um yeah so i'm good i, I i'm good but i i have less energy to talk about how i'm doing the second time we record than i did the first time that we didn't record
0: that makes sense i, g- I can get behind that because i'm already <laughs> caught up i don't need to be re-caught up but i <laughs> will tell
1: you uh
0: so right now i'm drinking a uh seek out real hard seltzer from two towns cider based out of corvallis and it is cucumber and juniper i saw that flavor in your fridge and i was like ooh. I got to try that because whenever I see a cucumber flavored thing, I I always have pretty low expectations because cucumber is typically not very well executed in the form of a packaged beverage barring uh, cucumber crush. I was just going to
1: say that's one of my very favorite beers of all time. But you don't get
0: a lot of cucumber in there. You just get a really bright cucumber, like that brightness of it, but you're not getting cucumber flavor. This you're getting a great blast of cucumber flavor and just a little... Little underlying of juniper, yeah, and I dig it. Uh, I'm glad you don't have gin, but I would like to try this with gin in the near future. What, what's your what's your, do you have a go to gin? Uh, I'm usually at Tanqueray because it's pretty affordable. Yeah, it's always good. Hendrix is really good. Crater Lake makes a really good gin. Uh,
1: I really like Monopolova's gin.
0: I've never had that.
1: Yeah, it's a. Uh... Polish company, I think primarily known for their vodkas, their but they they make a gin that's actually pretty tasty.
0: I had a gin from a uh, distillery just north of here, I think Corvallis area, and I can't remember the name of it, so talking about it here is kind of silly. Uh, but they did two varieties. They did a uh, like a mixing varietal that was kind of earthy and junipery, and then they made uh, a varietal to be like just like a sipping gin, mm-hmm. and it was just really bright and floral, and it was so good, and then they also made like a tr- really traditional London dry, kind of kind of gin. But that that sipping gin was uh, a revelation.
1: And if you'd like to try it, good fucking luck, because Andrew can't because I can't what remember it's
0: it. Yeah, I don't know. I was at the liquor store, and they're like, "Hey, sample <laughs> all of our booze." And I was like, mm, "Okay,
1: <laughs> yes, I will." Yeah, and I had
0: like one of each, and they had like twelve on the table, and they're like, "Well, we can't give you that much." I'm like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. If, if you need me to walk away and come back, I'll do that. But why don't we just skip that and I'll just stand here.
1: <laughs> that's that's good. Uh, yeah, you know, gin has always been a little elusive. But a, I don't love it. Uh, mm, there's some drinks with gin that I really do like. Um, you, you know, I love a gin and grapefruit juice. And Ooh. Is that that's not a greyhound, right? Greyhound is what, uh,
0: vodka and
1: grapefruit juice. Uh, but gin with grapefruit juice is is one of my one of my go tos. But by and large, I feel like gin is the drink that you drink when you've decided not to argue the alcoholism anymore. You've you're you're no longer in denial. You've you've passed denial. You're just an alcoholic, and you admit it. And you're going to continue to be that. And so you're drinking gin. I feel that way about gin.
0: That's an interesting perspective on it. <laughs> I would I would lean towards uh, vodka and a plastic bottle being that settling for the, alcoholism, or twenty five ounce twenty five ounce cans of uh, some varietal of malt liquor.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's different. I mean, there's a utility to a there's a utility to a twenty two of of malt liquor camo, you know, because it's a buck fifty and it'll get you shit faced.
0: I feel like that's exactly what you just described the gin drinker as. <laughs>
1: <laughs> perhaps. No, I, I perhaps uh, I dig gins. Uh, are you are you old enough to have had experience with HRD vodka? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, there was a time when I was—I I mean, really high school. It was high school, right? Where we'd get hogs like of HRD, which was, I think, probably like thirteen bucks, twelve bucks for the gallon for the half gallon. Yeah, and. uh it's terrible. It was terrible.
0: I mean, but if it comes in a plastic bottle, you probably shouldn't be drinking it.
1: it yeah, I, I mean, with some exceptions, but right, that, that's that's generally true. What's the one exception? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, they make they make various alcohols in like travel, you know, good alcohol that they sell them in, in okay. travel pints or whatever. I guess okay. that's what I was referring to.
0: Most of those are still glass, though.
1: Right. If you put it in a plastic <laughs>
0: flask or in a bladder, or have you ever seen those binoculars that are... That's a flask disguised as binoculars. I have seen that. Something like that. That's a whole, that's a new vessel.
1: That's where you put your gin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here
0: you go. Watch. Let's see. I think that. We'll see. Oh. Sorry. I have to check. Uh-oh.
1: It, is everything okay? Eh, no. You looked at your phone and said, uh-oh.
0: Well, the Chiefs are, they're down 13-9. Patrick Mahomes is not leading a comeback right now, which is what I really need. Uh, his performance tonight's kind of my make or break for a, uh, Fantasy week, but you, it's whatever.
1: You know, I've got one team that's definitely going to lose, one team that's definitely going to win. So it's I, I haven't I haven't even been watching because it was just
0: I uh, watched all day. That was kind of how my my Saturdays and Sundays during football season. The whole family is kind of on board with the fact that that's about the only time I really watch TV. So Saturdays and Sundays during football season are for football during daytime, and then everyone's happy.
1: Our our listeners who have heard you talk about amazon shows on your other things like 90 percent of every week you are going to disagree with that last statement but
0: uh no i mean like during daytime i watch tv at night with either my wife or alone because she works late a couple nights a week mm-hmm. so that's when i get the majority of my tv consumption in is uh when everyone is either gone or asleep in my house and i can watch by myself
1: i dig it yeah i dig it well we're alone this week. We are, which We're, is weird. Which is weird. It's been such a fun, uh, few weeks, and and I I am hoping. I, I actually don't think we have anybody lined up right now. So if you're listening to this on Thursday and you think you might be interesting to come on the show, you you just holler at me. Um, we've got we've got some interviews that are sort of tentatively lined up, but they're you know there's some dependency on on you know press pieces and and whatnot so it's a little tricky to get everything lined up especially because this right now is the busiest time of year for micro brands in terms of shows there's there's tons of european shows happening right now and then we we run into um wind up happening i mean there's just in terms of micro brands ability to connect with consumers and connect with industry people right now is the busiest time so Press pieces are a little bit tough to come by right now. And we don't like to do interviews with people without having a press piece in hand uh, or, or, or at least having had it in hand very mm-hmm. recently. So uh, that's kind of been our sticking point. You know, there's been a few people come, come through and say, we'd love to be on the show. I can't get you a piece, though. And I think, you know, why don't we wait until you can? Um, I'd love to have you on the show, too. I think your watches are awesome, but I don't own one. And the odds that I'm going to buy one for this show are low. So we'll just wait. So we, we don't really have a ton of stuff lined up right now, but there's a bunch of stuff that I expect to come through at the end of. And so we're going to be, we're, we're feasting famine.
0: That's okay. You guys will just have to deal with listening for, to us again for a while.
1: Yeah, just the two of us. We can make it if we try.
0: Yeah, you and I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about watches anyway. Yeah. We're Can't talking about us. watches. Can't stop us. Can't keep us down. And this is a this is a topic that we've sort of had penciled in for the better part of a year. I think
0: it was on our original sheet of things we ought to talk about. Is that right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it exists somewhere. It's not in this bag, but I have an archive of all of our all of my show notes and all of our various uh, bar napkin
1: conversations. And this is one of the first. Yeah, it's so- among them. So we're talking about uh, I don't know, maybe the most, uh, the most accessible and inaccessible, and inaccessible legitimate watch line on the face of the earth right now. I yeah. think, I think we're talking about Casio G-Shock watches today. Gravitational shock. Gravitational shock, and this is a show that is going to be probably light on the things that you don't know if you have spent any time reading or thinking about G-Shocks. It'll be uh, a a refresher course for some of you. Uh, For others of you that don't know anything about G-Shocks, hopefully you get some background. Uh, Hopefully you learn a little something. I know I felt a little sad in researching for this show that I kind of knew all this stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I felt like I kind of knew all of it too, but to codify it and to get it all in one place and realize the simplicity of this brand, like th- there's a lot of special aspects to G-Shock. There's a lot of a lot of special bits and a lot of really fun anecdotal or anecdote anecdotes of this brand, but it's still so young. Yeah, and that's right. they they came into the marketplace, and then they blew up, and they've just kind of continued to blow up. Like G-Shock
1: they, is the same age
0: as me. They peaked and plateaued and hung in there. Just like me. Yeah. Well, you... <laughs> I hope you haven't peaked. Because <laughs> you're still getting better, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you...
1: <laughs> I really hope you haven't peaked. Uh, yeah, the no, same, same age as me. So, uh, because in 1981, two things happened. Exactly. Two things happened in 1981. The only things that matter. One... Everett Meadows was born, Ooh. and two, Kiko Kiko Ibe drops his dad's pocket watch walking down the street. Fucked that shit up. Broke into a billion pieces. Was it a billion pieces? Uh, maybe.
0: i like to imagine that it was like it just e- exploded. <laughs>
1: I need a sound effect.
0: He, he didn't even say it was broken. It just it just it hit the ground, and there were so many pieces of it. He just assumed it wouldn't work.
1: He's like, "Fuck it," walked <laughs> That's away. That's gone. <laughs> so dust to dust. So for those of you who have uh, read uh, an article about G Shock in the last fifteen years, will know that Kikuo Ibe is the the godfather, the grandfather, the 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 OG, the OG, the genesis of the G Shock watch, and and. and Andrew said it right. the the lore of this thing is so absent on detail that you're sure it's it's an anecdote and this is the Genesis story. but like all Genesis stories, we realize there's some mythology in this. Um, and and I don't know that's not to say I don't believe the story, but you know, I've read this story about the pocket watch being dropped. 50 different times and 50 different iterations and heard interviews with kiko Ibe talking about it in japanese translated to english a a number of times and and never never i don't think have i ever heard him say what type of pocket watch it was
0: i never have either
1: so so there's that, that in and of itself is probably not important to the story but it gives you an idea this is a this is a mythology, but maybe
0: maybe it was just some piece of junk that like was maybe already broken, and when it hit the ground, the crystal cracked. Sure, or maybe sure. it was some a family treasure, an heirloom. That's kind of a detail. Like maybe we should email him.
1: Yeah, hey, hey, Kikuo,
0: what kind of pocket watch was it,
1: Mister eBay? I, I actually think he goes by eBay. I I don't know. Hey, eBay. Hey hombre. <laughs> so he drops his dad's pocket watch, and it's sad. Sad face. Sad emoji.
0: It, it's interesting too. He was carrying a
1: pocket watch in the eighties. Yeah, right. Because the, it, that that also. It's like, what? Why weren't you wearing a watch? You were you were a fucking engineer for Casio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why weren't you wearing a watch? Yeah. Uh, so he drops his dad's pocket watch, uh, and and sure enough, sad eBay says, "You know what I need." You know what I need? I need a watch that I can drop off my wrist and not have it fucking break. I need a watch that will survive falls
0: that I won't fall that I won't survive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he he grabs some guys. He grabs some guys, three guys. You know what they call them? Team Team Tough. Team Tough. Project Team Tough. Yeah.
0: It has to like that's <laughs> the best they could come up with well it wasn't I, like research group two three four that I, would even be more exciting than project team tough
1: team tough i think this thing kind of starts is uh, it just bad
0: translation do you think do you think it's maybe he it carries oh, a little yeah, bit more maybe. meaning in japanese but
1: maybe yeah maybe it was yeah i don't know team tough you know it's one of those things that's that's axiomatic now for for what it is but uh yeah it's not the most <laughs> it's a letdown not the most clever marketing there um so yeah, grabs these three engineers and says, "Hey, we're we're going to we're going to make this triple 10 watch." "Quote unquote, triple, triple 10." Triple 10 resistance. And and triple 10, do you, I mean, do you Tri- have them written yeah, down Yeah, so here? triple
0: 10, it's a uh, 10 years battery life, which is interesting that that was one of the the criteria they were trying to reach, and I wonder if it was because batteries were I wonder what the expected the life expectancy of batteries was that 10 years was this landmark that they had to hit. So, 10-year battery life 10 bar water resistance, 10 meter shock resistance.
1: As in, I can drop this watch from 10 meters high yeah. and it won't die.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy to think of Of now. Uh, like That that seems like a pretty low threshold for what G-Shock has achieved.
1: Well, I don't know. 10, 10 meters is 30 feet. Three stories.
0: I've, I watched a video of this guy standing two feet from a wall and and Randy Johnson this thing into it. Picks it up,
1: puts it back <laughs> on his wrist.
0: America. It's fine. He probably doesn't say America. He probably says Japan or, or Casio or something.
1: Japan! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds weirder when you yell that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, you know, over the course of the next, uh, what, three years, two two and two and a half, yeah. three years, they come up with 200 prototypes, and they all fucking suck.
0: I mean, anecdotally the uh, all these prototypes he he's he's sneaking to this bathroom that has available right. windows and he, he's dropping it off the first floor and they're breaking and then finally he gets one that survives and they start working off that and they go to the second floor and drops it and it breaks it and then eventually the third floor and, and finally one survives and drops it and it sort of survives but some things are damaged but that's kind of the the iterations we're going through and the and the mythology of of this this story where you're imagining this this uh this engineer with this idea, who's having to sneak to bathrooms and and clandestinely drop things out windows to test his and, prototypes, and, even and you though can, you're in a state-of-the-art laboratory, you don't need that.
1: You can almost picture him doing it. He's this uh, very slight, just prototypical engineer. You know, always I've never seen him in anything but a button-down uh, and know, a G-Shock, and a G-Shock. He's this prototypical engineer, and you can picture this young eBay. Sneaking to the bathroom to drop his uh, G <laughs> Shock out the window, his prototype out the window. Why
0: wasn't that a, a tool set available in the lab? Why was he having to drop it out windows? You,
1: you know, I think that he was not uh when he started doing this. He was not necessarily working on company time or dollar. I think that this that this research was sort of own own time, own dollar type of deal. And eventually, it got picked up by Casio. And, and we don't know when in the process that was. Certainly, it wasn't right at first. And I think. When he started uh, his ideation for this, it was, you know, wrap the watch in in rubber bands and drop it. And, and you know, so at some point they're they, they refining and I think he got a budget. But at first, I think it's just him sort of after hours. Just MacGyvering it. Just thinking through shit and trying to come up with an idea. So that leads to 1983 and the introduction of the DW 5000C.
0: I have one more. Oh, their their research breakthrough was one of those light bulb aha moments. And again, to add to the mythology, the team is at like just happens upon a park where children are playing, and he sees a not creepy. uh, Well, they're engineers,
1: (laughs) so not creepy.
0: Yeah, no, they're probably who knows. They see a a child's rubber ball, and that rubber ball is what gave him his breakthrough idea into floating the module inside the watch because though the outside of the wa- of the ball would sustain impact the rest of the ball was unfazed but again with like why would looking at a rubber ball prompt that yeah i don't know I, and I i'm not an engineer like i don't look at things and go oh yeah no i understand how that works so i'm i'm Maybe it's just that I'm not smart enough to understand how it's that translates. It's one of these
1: aha moments that you read about and you think, I, "I just don't get it."
0: You're an engineer, bro. You should have understood that before you saw a rubber ball for the ten thousandth time in your life.
1: Yeah, it's I, I don't get it, and so maybe there's you, you know, maybe there's this sort of Monday Monday morning quarterbacking going on in my head, but I'm but I'm with you. I'm like, what What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I love the mythology of this, but the, and it gets the mythology is only going to get better here.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you know, the the other thing that sort of not irks me about that story, but kind of uh, puts me back on my heels a little bit is because the first prototype was taking a watch and wrapping it in a bunch of rubber. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the the issue was that
0: the... the module was still sustaining yeah. the impact It wasn't floated inside the the case like with the what became resin and then steel and then resin and all kinds of other layer oh, I made a scene here layering of materials to protect that and float that movement yeah and then the buttons attached by cables as opposed to directly interfacing with the the, the
1: uh buttons
0: i want to say movement okay but that's module. not yeah there's i i I just used the word, but You're i stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it comes down to.
1: So that's what they get to. They see the rubber ball. They think, well, we need to float this movement. And so that's what they do. They float the movement. There's a the hollow case, quote unquote hollow case, with a urethane, um with a urethane sort of sleeve envelope inside of it that houses the movement and, and these flexible connections from the buttons to the to the connectors. Um and, and that is what becomes the DW5000C in April of 1983, which is the original G Shock. That is the original.
0: And it still looks so good.
1: And it looks great. I mean, it, it is a case shape that we know and love today by way of the 5600D or the GWM5610. Uh, it's this classic looking. It is the G Shock. Square G. That's right.
0: And for, I mean, for watch, I guess a lot of people when they imagine a G Shock see the. The round indentation bezel. Oh,
1: yeah, like, sure. The 3i.
0: Yeah, the the modern iterations. The
1: 60, 6900s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm the opposite. I think 5600 is, is the classic. But, uh, yeah, so, so I think interesting. I think this next bit is interesting because a- although there was a need and, and the market was there, sales lagged in Japan for this watch. They did not take off the way we might think that they did in japan in particular
0: because 1980s style wasn't surrounding this active lifestyle watch they were all surrounding nice slim dress watches and we're in the midst of the quartz revolution and people are transitioning to quartz watches anyway so why would i get a digital because there's this cool quartz movement that's out and available and it's cheap it's affordable and they look great and why would i need to be able to throw my watch against a wall
1: well, yeah, and, and and you know, there's a cultural change that's going to happen, um, but it's not going to happen in Japan. Nope, it's going to happen in the United States,
0: and it all surrounds a commercial. That's right. So this commercial that cast so because of the. A struggling g-shock line in japan uh casio started reaching internationally to try to market this watch and there was a commercial i i actually didn't get a chance to look it up and and i will watch it today if it's i'm sure it's still available that has a hockey player using this g-shock as a puck slap shots it watch is just fine and people go nuts like it people start calling casio phones are ringing off the hook they're writing them letters because they have to write letters to complain in this day and age but it's happening saying you're this is false advertising this isn't happening like th- there's no way it's just impossible what you're claiming cannot be true and an early iteration of uh of Mythbusters air quotes a news agency picks it up and is like yeah it's bullshit we're gonna call it and they did a g-shock they get a hockey stick.
1: That same model, the 5200C. Yeah.
0: They test it all out, and sure as shit, that watch works. And people lose their minds. G-Shock takes off in America, soon followed by Japan and countries around the world.
1: Well, and I think that that's the part of the story that's kind of ironic. That So uh, the G-Shock sales almost immediately pick up with sort of, I, I don't know, probably today what we call urban culture. So um, on the East Coast, the, the hip hop community sort of picks it up. On the West Coast, the surf community, the surf slash skater community picks it up um, because of utility. Um, the hip hop community picks it up because of style. And so all of a sudden, we've got this watch that's entrenched heavily into the very hip mm-hmm. sectors of the United States in the early 80s. Um, and, and so it becomes this cultural position piece, and that that uh, position in urban American culture is what eventually drives its sales in Japan. Yep, and- because these Japanese, these young Japanese kids are Yankel files. You know, they're wearing Levi's, they're buying, um, they're buying Harley Davidsons, and at the t- you know these these intrinsically american things and so g-shock takes off with the american crowd and that idea is what drives sales in japan which is fantastic to think
0: about so terrific and what's impressive is that g-shock was able to be so nimble during the uh trajectory of its growth as to be able to keep up with the culture that was its primary demographic They was releasing watches in colorways and in styles and marketing campaigns that fit right in with the culture that had accepted it. They weren't trying to reestablish themselves. They were just following the trajectory of the cultures that were already embracing it. And I love that. They weren't trying to innovate. They were just saying, hey, we're here with you. Here here we are. Here we are. What do you want? We're ready to give it to you.
1: We got watches.
0: Yeah. What you got? Yeah. And I love that. I, I love marketing campaigns that are... Organic? I don't know if that's the right word, but they're not trying to they're they're not reinventing a wheel. We're not seeing, you know, the Bud Light Platinum Knight who's upgraded Bud Light Knight for the night. <laughs> like that's that's trying to insert yourself in the culture as opposed to already being a part of the culture and saying, hey, this is what you want, this is what you're gonna get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting too because uh I, I think a lot of the Japanese watch culture is so um, uniquely Japanese um you 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 know the Japanese dive watch is something that's been developed wholly by these Japanese watch trends and you you know when you look at Seiko and and what they've done and and you know watches like the Seiko Sus and um you know so many things in Japan are so uniquely Japanese to see this watch that is a Japanese and be totally American um in terms of its in terms of its iconology, uh, you know, developed this way. I think it's a really neat story. And it's just that is the one part of this story that we're telling today that I didn't know before we started was this.
0: I didn't quite realize the the gravity of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even the idea, the idea in and of itself, if you'd have asked me how how G-Shock's developed, I'd have said, well, they developed in Japan and then we picked them up because we thought Japanese stuff is cool, you know, because we're japanophiles over here it, it, to a certain degree uh don't don't
0: i'm just trying to think that has
1: to be right but it can't be it, no i'm sure it's i just made it up
0: it sounded right to me
1: <laughs> it was that or Japophile.
0: don't say that <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe we cut that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so yeah all of a sudden g-shock's cool in in america and so it's cool in japan and there's a little bit of a a, a little bit of a snake-eating its tail, and this thing just takes off and goes freaking crazy. Globally. Globally.
0: It is... It's the only watch I can say with confidence that I've seen legitimate iterations of it everywhere I've been in the world. I've seen plenty of fake Rolexes. Mm -hmm. I've seen uh, seen
1: a lot of Invictas, and I don't think people fake Invicta. But people definitely don't fake G-Shock, right? Do they? You know, I I bet some of the G-Shocks do get... Some of the G-Shocks do get faked. Um, It's probably less prevalent than faked Omegas or faked Rolexes, but I I do think that that happens.
0: I've seen a fake Rolex with an
1: Omega uh, logo on it. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, you you know, I think that I think that the iterations of fake G-Shock are are usually using actual G-Shock parts and customizing them to be. Some of these higher end or, or harder to get uh, collaborations or mm. or um,
0: one of a kind limited edition forty and limited twenty
1: editions. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> so there, here, here we have it. We're at we're at the explosion of G Shock, and it's taking the globe. And they they have not stopped innovating. And one of the questions I I have about Casio and their Sub brands is I, I'm I understand that G Shock and Pro Trek kind of fill different places in the market, but not entirely different places in the market. And I wonder how Casio justifies keeping
1: both of those lineages alive. I suspect it's purely marketing. I suspect because I've had the same thought, you know, we I think we I think talked, talked about, about, our, about it on this before we, we talked about it in our uh digitals, maybe digital watches did we do a, did we do a triple sensor episode what do we do anyway yes we we've talked about oh, we tried to
0: talk about the complications
1: we've talked about this before but but i do think it's purely marketing because right these triple sensor ProTREX are a very obvious offshoot of the things that make g-shock great and g-shock has triple sensor you know casio has got a very very good one of the best in the world triple triple sensor uh, module and they use it in both ProTrek's and g-shock so I, I think that it's purely marketing why they would continue to maintain both these lines because protrek has its uh has its base and, and I don't think it's the same base as g-shock
0: I don't think it is but I think that was that was kind of a a self-fulfilling prophecy
1: I, I suspect that there's a more distinct, <laughs> group in japan that is inclined to buy you, you know that Pro Trek marketing i know we talked about this but that Pro Trek logo even today oh yeah unchanged is basically unchanged you know they've got that green writing it looks like the brand it looks like a 1980s seattle outdoor wear branding looks like jansport jansport that's right or or the one that pops into my head is uh traeger Traeger is a uh, yeah. n- not not the grill company, but the the bag company, mm-hmm. um, and it se- it feels to me very similar to the branding of Traeger or or Outdoor Research or something like that. So I suspect that they've got a niche of people that like that brand, um, and so they maintain it. and And I I would guess that in Japan that's more distinct than it is here.
0: Maybe when I was uh, one of the things I want to look for was. All the places G-Shock specifically has been, which is kind of hard to find. You would think that on the like that G-Shock would be funding and in part sponsoring a lot of these major expeditions or record-breaking uh, adventures, just because their watches are so versatile and durable, and uh, they can go anywhere, do anything. What I could find, though, it has been in space. We've talked about that. Yep, G-Shock's been to space. G-Shock not to the moon, no, but to space. To space, yeah. Space
1: a lot, yeah. Maybe more than any other brand. You know, I think that I think that that's right. I think that that now, since about 2014, the official space watch is the X33. Um, but but it seemed like there was a period of time between 2014 and you know maybe the the 80s, sometime in the 80s, where. G-Shocks were ninety percent of all the watches that the astronauts were wearing. I suspect most of those were personally owned, POV's, as it were, mm-hmm. um, but- POWs, <laughs> POW. <Yeah. laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe something different. But yeah, I, I suspect those were those were you know I, I own this because I bought this and I'm going to wear it to space. But it it does seem like there was a period of time where more G-Shocks were in space than any other watch. If I ever got to go to space, I would wear all my watches. <laughs> <laughs> just on your arm at yeah. the same time. And I would, I when
0: I got back, I would write every one of those companies and say, Hey, I took your watch to space. Pay me for it. Right.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of that, actually. There's a lot of that that goes on in space travel.
0: Yeah. I, no, I would 100% do that. I would exploit space travel. I'd be the guys who took stamps and envelopes and signed them and then brought them back to Earth and was like, Hey, these have been in space. I'd get in trouble. For, uh, I wouldn't get in trouble for it, though, because I'd just be a regular ass citizen going to space.
1: Just a regular dude. Yeah. Just a regular dude. Well, so I think that, uh, you, you know, the next sort of major step that happens with G-Shock is 1987. And this isn't a major step for G-Shock so much as it is a, a, a major step looking back. So 1987, G-Shock releases the DW5600C. DW5600C is the same watch that you can get for sixty bucks on Amazon today in the DW fifty six hundred E, and there's obviously some minor differences, some minor tweaks, but this watch is the same for all intents and purposes as the basic G Shock that you buy today. When you when you say I want to buy my first G Shock on Watch You Seek, I have about eighty bucks to spend. You're gonna get about fifteen recommendations for the fifty six hundred E. You're also going to get some recommendations for the 6900. Those are wrong. Uh, objectively Objectively wrong. wrong. But uh, this is the same watch that you can buy today. So 1987. So that's, I'm doing the math. I think something like years. 30 years that the same watch has been the coolest, one of the coolest watches that you can buy as an entry-level collector or whatever, right? I mean, this is similar to the Speedmaster. Or
0: somebody who just beats the shit
1: out of watches. Yeah, that's right, that's right. It, it, or just a guy, just a guy. Yeah, I I think the cool thing about G Shock is how transcendent it is. Um, you, you know, the price point does a lot for this, but it's so much more transcendent than just a, I mean, just about anything else, right? You you know, the Speedmaster. I, I just made that Speedmaster comparison because I think it's interesting. The Speedmaster is virtually unchanged. Different bracelets and. Uh, uh upgrades and movements but the speedmaster today is the same as the speedmaster of 1960 right? mm-hmm. it's the same watch the the G-Shock's not quite as old but essentially the G-Shock 5600E that you buy today is the same as that 5000C that you could buy when it first came out in 1983 it's the same and and, and
0: just as accessible
1: way 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 more accessible
0: yeah i mean yeah that's fair but
1: way more accessible and there's a lot of people that have spent exactly 45 seconds thinking about watches for the purposes of getting something on their watch to allow them to tell the time that have ended up with some version of the 5600 on their wrist Mm -hmm. not because they're thoughtful They might be minimally thoughtful, but not because they're being thoughtful about the watch, just because it's such an obvious decision. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious. It's the most obvious watch on the face of the earth right now.
0: They recently stamped 100 million
1: in serial numbers. 100 million watches. That's 2017, right?
0: Yeah. Recently. Like, two years. Recently.
1: And Eminem rapped about it. Yeah, maybe... Oh, he did. Oh, he did, huh? <laughs> they had a big party in New York.
0: I didn't know that. With I did that not man. realize that um, that that Marshall was there to party with them.
1: <laughs> so I think that that's, uh, you know, this 1987. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of mark that down as a big year. In fact, it's the one thing I have in a box on my notes because that's big time. That's a big time. It, you you know w- we'll come back to it a, a number of times today. But the 5600 is the G Shock. Yeah. And that's when it came out. Yeah. So where to from here? I've got a bunch of notes, but I, I don't know where you, where you go to uh, from here. So
0: my my next impressive place that uh, a G Shock resides currently is on is in the Antarctic Ocean on a Japanese uh, underwater rover that is exploring the ocean. And it is using the compass and the thermometer on board the watch into the rover to guide it and also take measurements for the rover itself.
1: (laughs) What watch is this?
0: Uh, One of the frogmen. uh, They have a special edition (coughs) associated with it. It's got a cool red band, like Antarctic something or other. It's cool as shit. And also, it's living there. It's fucking living in the ocean, cold ocean. Right. On a rover, giving it guidance. That's awesome. What other watch does that? None. The, the the Apple Watch commercials? This watch tells time. It also has an EKG machine. Does it guide a rover? The answer is no. No, it does not. And it couldn't. No, I don't think it would survive. It couldn't. Apple Watches don't survive falling off your wrist onto the floor.
1: They're not triple ten. No. They're not triple 10. So,
0: Randy Johnson's his on the wall.
1: You know, I've just got some... Uh, I've just got some landmarks maybe i'll just run them. through these hit them yeah. up so 1989 the aw500 that's the first analog g-shock 1992 dw 6100 that's the first sensor-based g-shock and it had a thermometer 1993 we've got what year the- was that 92
0: how cool can you imagine being 1992 looking at your watch being like 64 degrees in here <laughs> what up
1: <laughs> 93, the DW6300, that's the very first ISO-certified G-Shock. That's the Frogman, the OG Frogman, 200 meters of water resistance, ISO certification. 1994, they introduced the baby G-Line for folks with smaller wrists.
0: Well, for ladies. That's where it, that's where it started.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and I, but I, I bristle a little bit at that, at that connotation, but I know that that's accurate. Um, 96. Kiko Ibe Kiko, and his group decide we're going to start making metal watches.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And so they introduce the metal MR-G series. 98, DW9300, that is the Raysman. That is the predecessor to our solar mm-hmm. watches. It's the very first solar G-Shock. 2000, the GW100, that's the first radio-controlled And it's it's controlled by one radio in Japan. 2002, the GW300. That's controlled by both radio and solar, the predecessor to the Tough Solar. Mm -hmm. 2014, so I'm going to skip a little bit. 2014, the GPW1000. This is cool because what this does is it does both GPS time sync and multiband 6 time sync.
0: I wonder if those ever are in confliction with each other. You know, I I don't know. Conflict?
1: Conflict? I think that's probably more appropriate. Maybe. I wonder if
0: they ever are. What does it do? Uh, I wonder what it defaults to if they are out of sync.
1: I'm not sure. We would hope they would be in sync. Because if they're not, we're fucked.
0: Everything crashes. (laughs)
1: 2017, the GPW-2000. This is GPS, multiband 6, plus it connects to your cell phone and syncs by way of your cell signal to atomic or solar clocks that are updating the cell carriers. So full, all the levels of connectivity, you're on it. So if you have cell service, it'll sync there. If you just have GPS service, it'll sync there. If you have multi-band radio signal, it'll sync there. It's going to sync constantly and be updated.
0: And it still has a 10-year battery life, right?
1: Yeah, I would assume so. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I noted those as sort of the major milestones. Um, there may be others.
0: What year did they transition away from a single bulb, bo- single boob, single boob, <laughs> a single bulb illumination to
1: uh, the backlight illumination to sort of indigo style? Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm sorry. Was, it was early '90s. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that and right.
0: one of the uh, one of the selling points they had on them was the uh, were these films that were put on the inside of the crystal that were invisible until you turn that light on and you would get a cool image on the uh, inside of the the crystal when you'd illuminate that backlight like whether it be fire or skull or something crazy like that love it so cool
1: you you know we we mentioned it briefly also g-shocks are um space watches you know that's the last sort of very cool thing I'd like to say about G-Shock. Since 2014, the X-33, the Omega, I don't think it's the Speedmaster X-33 anymore, but the Omega X-33 has been sort of the official watch. And so everybody on the ISS and in the space programs is wearing these X-33s. And I suspect that there's some um, there's some financial reason for that. I I, I assume that Omega is sponsoring that. But if you look I at, hope so. Yeah. Shit. Right. If you look at pictures of astronauts- from the 2000s and the 90s, they're all wearing G-Shocks. And there's a number of G-Shocks that have been space-certified. The DW-5600C, the 5600E, the 5900, the 6900, and the G9000, which is a Mudmaster, I believe, uh, to name a few, are all or have been uh, space-certified at some point by NASA. So the uh, y- you know it-, it should go without saying that a watch that can go to the bottom of the ocean or that can be dropped from 10 meters up um it is going to be as good for space as say smacked by a hockey stick that's right that's right so so they are basically made for the type of things that's going to happen in space i know at some point nasa shot a a watch up on one of these um weather balloons Mm -hmm. and it went super 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 high uh you know way the fuck up there i don't know and comes down so i think it was like 12 hours at negative 56 celsius which is cold that's really cold which is cold um and, and you know 56 kilometers an hour coming back down um Hits the ground on a, on a parachute, obviously, but totally survived this thing. You, you you know these things are purpose built for the hardest hardest points of life, or 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 beyond that beyond life that. doesn't survive that, and, and and so it 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 should be it should come as no surprise that these G-Shocks are perfect space watches.
0: I'm gonna get some G-Shocks to be family heirlooms.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think that's interesting, right? Because are they heirlooms? They could be. They could be
0: the G-Shock price range is from seventy-four hundred money to ninety money. Yeah, that could be one of the most diverse brands that we've ever talked
1: about. And, and really, even less than that. I mean, sixty bucks on Amazon for uh, fifty-six hundred e. Well,
0: from from the G-Shock website, seventy-four hundred money
1: down to eighty-nine money. It's awesome.
0: I don't. I can't think of another brand that has that much variation from ultra accessible to. I mean, luxury prices.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Seiko.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, just a just name. One.
0: <laughs> yeah, but in, in, in all just one digital, just a digital watch. Yeah.
1: No, that's right. That's right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, we, as usual, have picked out some watches. Is
0: it as usual anymore, and we haven't done something like this in a while?
1: That's true. That's true. But when we talk about a brand, one of the things we like to do is talk about some watches. So, what do you got up first?
0: First up, the Murdered Out DW Fifty Six Hundred BB
1: One GD, and goddamn. Well, and when you say murdered out, this—I mean, it's it's like next level murdered. Out. It
0: is the only thing on it that's not black, is the the numbers. Bubble. Well, the buckle, yeah, is... is. Damn it. There's more than just one thing. I was going to say the display. Because <laughs> everything on it, it's just... It's it's white display on that black background. Yeah. And was that what you got? The swap out with your...
1: No. No? No. Uh, no. Oh, you finish this. I'm okay. going to talk about my, my Frankenstein.
0: Next up, we've got the GWM5610-1, which one we've already talked about.
1: Yeah. The, no, that's the sort of classic gwm 5600 square g yeah. that's the that's the red bordered yep. you know 50 it's the 5000 c style display tough solar and that's the difference square g it's
0: what you're thinking of when you think of the og g shock but it's the the solar and last up the g9300-1 frogman
1: yeah and i i did this one
0: mudman yeah yeah, yeah mudman sorry the Mud Man, you chose a frog man. Have me confused. But a Mudman. And it is so simple. It's it's a round G Shock. It has compass built into it. I mean, it's it's got everything. It's it is one of those watches that if you have to buy one watch, you are in a outdoor pursuits type life, and you need some ABC functionality, and you need a watch that you can throw into a rock face. This could be it.
1: So what are the prices on these? So at Oh the, yeah, sorry. So 5600
0: 5600 you're coming you're you're going to get at 93.95 on the Amazon. Okay. Uh, the 5610 84 on the Amazon and the Mudman 131 on Amazon. And that's that's coming in 131. about 131. 131.92 yeah. money. That's you you're, you're going to pay that for a Sunto, you're going to pay that for a ProTrack, you're going It's right in that competitive line with these other tactical watches, but it looks so classic 80s. Yeah. You know, you're not getting that that real high-tech looking Sunto or even the high-tech looking Pro Trek. You're just getting this clunky
1: 80s G-Shock. I love that. So I've also picked three watches. Uh-oh. I'm going to start with the one that you can actually buy. <laughs> because you can't buy the others that i'm going to talk about oh yeah 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 so so the first one this is the gf 8235d frogman this is a blue frogman Mm -hmm. frogman uh watches are known for their asymmetrical cases so if you've seen this um g-shock that's sort of got a pronounced left side uh, left side curve to it and then kind of squares off on the right. That is the Frogman. These are ISO certified dive watches. Now, basically every G-Shock on the face of the earth is capable of diving today. Uh, so it's interesting that we have these w- water specific watches. But this is my favorite. It's got some gold accents. It's got a little bit of navy blue, so it's classy. Uh, I'm sort of anti-black G-Shock. Uh-oh. I know I'm a little bit anti black G shock, which is, um, I think it's from my time in the army watching Joe wear. They don't wear
0: o- black, black. G shocks. They wear like FDE and OD and camouflage, <laughs> but and yeah, that coyote.
1: Too. But, you know, it's just so pedestrian. <laughs> uh, the black 6900s, even the black 5600s, I-, I find them pedestrian and it turns me off a little bit. I'm sorry to hear that. So I've got a navy blue frogman. The second watch I have now you can you can find these. you can find these, but they're a little tricky and, and there's one really good reason why they're tricky. So this is a 1996 MRG JDM titanium case
0: mm-hmm. it's yeah,
1: the mr-g 210T. Uh, Now, this is a square case titanium JDM G-Shock, and and it's semi-square. It's not square-square. It's semi-square, a little curvy square. Mm -hmm. Uh, These things are the shiznit, and I have looked for one of these, no shit, for about three years, Mm -hmm. for about three years, and they are very, very tricky to find. No, they're not. They're always available on eBay. There's always about one or two on eBay. And they stay on eBay for a very long time. And the reason is Japanese people
0: have skinny wrists.
1: (laughs) Little tiny wrists. You,
0: You can't ever find a bracelet greater than six inches.
1: That's right. So I think probably what I need to do is buy two of them. And you and I have talked about this before. And maybe we've even talked about this on the show before, have we? I don't know if we talked about it on air. I think what I need to do is buy two of them, take the best parts from both, and combine the bracelets. But you cannot find these with a bracelet over about six inches and three quarters.
0: Yeah, that's that's because I I sometimes lurk on eBay and offer up and places like that, so I can buy one and have it, and then you can't have it. Uh,
1: I would be so fucking mad at you.
0: Uh, but so I I routinely lurk for. Um,
1: this is my grow watch. This this watch, the MRG two hundred and ten T, is my grow watch. Grail. Grail. Okay,
0: I thought you were saying grow watch. Was it's like, my
1: grow watch. It's like why do you need <laughs> a grow watch? I'm a grower.
0: Uh, but yeah, no, I've looked for them, and you the, not a shower. the The bracelets, no. Nah, well, the the bracelets are always just tiny. And and is it is it that. When these watches were produced, people were like, ah, whatever, it cost me 60 bucks. I'm just going to throw away these links. Well, they were 60
1: bucks. They were expensive because they were titanium.
0: Like these these damn Casio bracelets that just break apart when you try to adjust them. Like that, World Time, that's the size it is forever. It is never adding or removing any links ever again because it got fucked up.
1: No, these things have replaceable links. I mean, they're meant, it's just very, very difficult. I, I think two things. One, I think people recognize them as collector's pieces. And so people kind of hang on to them. And two, they're JDM. People in Japan have little wrists. These guys and their JDM watches, man. Motherfuckers. So that is, if I have a grow watch, it's that one. And I have had an alert set up on eBay for the better part of the last two years. And I promise when one comes up with a bracelet long enough, I'll buy it. But I, I'm guessing I just have to buy two.
0: You might be in a bidding war.
1: It's not going to happen. I won't. I won't. Pit on it (laughs) and you know that's my grow watch it's the it is the only watch that i've ever truly coveted
0: i feel that way about the lcd nav timer
1: yeah but i mean that's that's a an expensive watch right i mean there's expensive watches right but it's like even if that pops up i'm not gonna buy it
0: and the ones that do pop up like i've seen a couple that were in really good shape but they're still
1: too grandish so there's one more G-Shock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one more G-Shock that I have to talk about. and Then we can get into other things. This is a watch that I'm wearing on my wrist right now. Mm-hmm. It's the one G-Shock I own.
0: And it, you have a baby G.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, my, uh, I mean, I... There's I, a baby G in this house. There's a baby G in this house. <laughs> this is... This is my personal... Franken-watch. My personal perfect G-Shock. It's my perfect G-Shock. And that is a white cased GWM5610. But you cannot buy the one I'm wearing and that is because it is got a module from the GWM5610, the sort of vanilla everyday black strapped GWM5610 which is the red ring that sort of purple solar panel mm-hmm. with a positive display. A and, positive display. And
0: that came with a negative
1: display, right? This came with a, a black-on-black negative display. This, this white case did. Because G-Shock, in their infinite wisdom,
0: who makes a watch for everyone on the planet,
1: does not Everett. sell a white GWM with a positive display right now. So, to make this watch... I had to buy two watches. I had to buy the GWM 5610 MD, which is a white braceleted, white bezeled positive or excuse me, negative display. And I had to buy a GWM 5610-1, the the sort of OG GWM, and I had to just swap them out. Now the whole the mod took about 15 minutes from both watches because you unscrew the bracelet. You sort of unscrew these little bezel clips, you pull the bezel off, you, you know, drop one into the other and screw it all back up. I mean, 15 minutes for this mod. But I ended up, I mean, it's the most rewarding mod ever Mm -hmm. because I ended up with something that's totally OEM. That And totally not. That's right. That's right. It's totally OEM. It looks like it's an off-the-shelf G-Shock. It doesn't have any, you know, a lot of these Seiko mods, it's like, that's cool, but... It doesn't look OEM. It looks like a mod. This does not look like a mod. It, it's just, and it's exactly what I wanted. It's so satisfying to put a watch on that's exactly what I wanted when what I wanted didn't exist. That's There's something so satisfying about that. This is my weekend watch. I wear this. You wear a lot. A lot. It's probably mm, top three, top four in my collection in terms of wear time. And, and I never wear it during the week.
0: Why would you? It would be Ooh. weird to wear at work. I know you have worn it to work, but it's oh, a yeah. little bit weird.
1: So that, I think, is the coolest G-Shock you can get today.
0: That's a good pair of, or it's a good watch to wear with Parrot Romeos. We have to go like into the field, as it were.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I'd wear it into the
0: field, but. Not Army field. into like, field working.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, you mean, like, working field. Yeah, like, like a site visit or yeah, something. Site visit. Yeah,
0: I certainly wouldn't wear it to court.
1: I wear a dive watch on site visits. That's,
0: That's suitable.
1: Yeah. The Bok Tok or the uh, AMW 320. There it is. Yeah. Another Casio. Another great vintage Casio. So, anything else you have to say about G-Shock? I don't.
0: I love this brand. I loved it before. I love it about the same after got a couple of cool factoids about it got to peruse a whole lot more G-shocks than i'd seen before i can't believe how many watches they have that's what sh- that's the most shocking to me is that they're 100... still viable with with almost 200 active lines
1: between 220 and 152 or 150 new skus every year so between 150 and 220 new skus each year
0: so when they do that, we're talking new SKUs, and they discontinue some. Like,
1: yeah, I assume so. I assume so.
0: So what I glean from that is you gotta buy them all every year. You gotta buy them all because they're gone. Like, you won't be able to get them again.
1: Like Pokemon.
0: Yeah, catch them all, get them all. <laughs> and for the most part, they're super affordable until you start getting into you know the the Mister the Mister G right the MRGs yeah yeah that's right and
1: uh, and some of the Master of G you know the the. Master uh, or the Man lines mm-hmm. the f- Mud Man, the Frog Man, the
0: the seventy four hundred dollars ones. They make some pretty dope, like transparent looking cases.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I do the jelly cases. I think yeah. are some of my favorites. I'd like to get a clear jelly case fifty six
0: hundred. There's just so many cool. Ones. There's there's really one to five for everyone.
1: That baby G, uh, that baby G. I've got a pink baby G that I really bought for my wife, but I wear it all the time. Uh, I, it's a got a jelly case, uh, and I love it. I love it. It's super pink. Yeah, uh, it is. It, it's super pink. And so, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, what, the, what are you wearing? <laughs> it's a pink my pink baby G, what do you want? My, my pink jelly case baby G. Rosé all day. <laughs> and I'm drinking White cloth. Yeah. Biatch. Not <laughs> <Well>, basic. <laughs> well, good. You know, I, I think if we could wrap up G-Shock, I think that, uh, <clears throat> you know it, it it's impressive uh it, it's impressive that G-Shock has managed to do what they've done but i also think that there's a a lot not not a small amount of underratedness that that happens with G-Shock i mean this is literally the toughest watch on earth and in space you know when we when people talk about oh i need a watch for for doing this or that, the answer is always G-Shock. The answer always could be G-Shock, at least. You know, I need a watch that's going to be uh, attractive with work clothes. That's a stretch, maybe, but fifty-six hundred. I need a watch that's going to be inexpensive and good for kicking around on the weekend. That also has street cred. Fifty-six hundred. Fifty-six hundred. I-, I need a watch that's going to be able to. Uh, be on my watch a hundred percent of the time in the pool in the shower uh, out in the rain doing yard work 5600 I-, I mean it's it's literally a watch capable of doing anything I, I want to go diving I want to go to space I want to I don't know be able to survive a zombie apocalypse uh, it is the only watch I can think of that does not have a limitation. I might get a fifty
0: six hundred and see how many consecutive days I can wear it regardless of what I'm doing without ever having to take it off.
1: You can put it on your right wrist. Obviously. Yeah.
0: Where else would I put it?
1: Well, I don't know. I I mean I was thinking maybe you put it on your left wrist so you can still wear watches.
0: No, I might just I might just go solo fifty six hundred for a while.
1: That's dumb. Is it? Yeah, sell the rest of your fucking watches because you're never gonna have to take it off.
0: I don't know. We'll see. Why
1: would you ever have to take it off?
0: I, I can't. That's what I'm saying. This
1: is a dumb project. Let's just see
0: how long no, I, I I wear it before I have to take it off.
1: Nope, I'm gonna tell you no. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you no. Six years later, there's a crusted
0: like I <laughs> have to have my right hand amputated. Like <laughs> I never needed to take it off.
1: <laughs> you're not allowed to do this project. <laughs> Jeez, no, because it's a G Shock endurance project. That's the deal. The, at some point, the the bracelet would break. I think. But until that happened, you'd never, I mean, unless you were taking it off, the bracelet's not going to fatigue. You would just wear that fucking thing until you died. We'd bury you in that thing. I would hope so. Yeah.
0: I I mean, wear it for the next 10 years.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, Other things. Andrew, my man, I know you have more than one, so go.
0: Couple quick ones. First one we've talked about Big Mouth on the show before. Again, it's not a family friendly show, and when I say it's not, not family friendly, I, I mean I don't mean the kids. I mean don't watch it with your wife. That's <laughs> uh, true. I told the story before. She came in and I was watching it, and she was like, "Yo, you don't have to change it." I'm like, "Oh no, I do. You, <laughs> like, I I know you, I know me, I know what you're gonna think of me. I need to change it." But you can watch three minutes. Be quiet. Three minutes roll by. I pause it yeah we're gonna watch something else i told you i told you season three just dropped i am ecstatic for some of my alone television watching time because i love this show it is horrifying like i said it's the it's one of the it's the only show i've ever watched and i was like ooh, i'm uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it makes me uncomfortable you, sometimes too. you've done it nick kroll you've done it uh and next up the iaaf championships have been going on for the oh, last yeah. week and oh, yeah. i want i got the chance to watch i watched some highlights no now
1: the- now stop because these people are not from eugene it's
0: the world championships that's right it's but- the world track and field championships that's what you need held to every two years
1: like, what's IAAF? is that the is that the the new watch show
0: world track championships were just a, just going on in doha qatar doha uh and i was actually really uh I was curious to see that it was in, in Doha and I, as I was watching today, I was seeing, And for those of you who have not watched uh, elite level track and field, women run mm-hmm. in little more than a bikini. Mm-hmm. And I was interested, like I, I actually, I commented, too. I commented, I'm surprised that this is happening in Qatar. Oh yeah. Uh, that was my, that was my first thought was they're in Qatar. I, I'm obviously I know they're not going to be running in uh like full body covering mm-hmm. but I was also a little surprised that they were running in, in not like at least onesies.
1: you, you know, know I think professional sports get a pass evidently yeah especially in a place like Qatar I mean Qatar is uh, a capitalist
0: but it's, it's but it's still in yeah. in that region of the world that's a whole lot more conservative and sure. I mean they they make a lot of uh concessions for westerners mm-hmm. to keep western money pouring in and western tourism money specifically but i was just surprised that they weren't in like singlets or some shit
1: well and there's so much money i mean there's so much money involved in that so. oh
0: yeah yeah and that's that's why people bid
1: those facilities are beautiful
0: that, and i can't wait to see them so for those of you unfamiliar with world track and field championships eugene is hosting the 2021 world championships and i'm pretty excited just to be in the city
1: while it's occurring. Not to mention the the, um, Olympic trials are going to yeah. be. That's going to be the debut event for our new Hayward Field,
0: Hayward. and it's looking good. I drove by it the other day yeah. just to check on it. It's looking good. Space age stuff, man. Yeah, Uh yeah. I I drive by occasionally just to just to check up on progress. And
1: what what races have you been watching? Because I've been uh, following. So I, M- I, NBC, I've watched some highlights. If you go to NBC NBC Sports, they've been updating. You know, every day. You know, you can basically watch. Basically, all the big races. So yeah. I've been watching as I, as we go. But
0: so I watched women's hundred meter hurdles today. I watched all the qualifying rounds, and then I watched the men's fifteen hundred. Uh, and it, it I, I'm just so shocked by these elite athletes. Oh yeah, and and just in qualifying, uh, like four or five of the qualifiers set their personal bests. Mm-hmm. Just a fa-
1: I think it's a fast track.
0: Just in their qualifying, yeah. Uh, the U.S. brought home twenty nine medals. 14 of the golds, 11 silvers, and only four bronzes.
1: The US had a great, the US a had great a great showing championships. Uh you, you know, track and field I think for us in Eugene is probably something a little bit different than it is for most of the people in the in the country, but it's my very favorite. I I mean, I, I love football. I love basketball, but besides those two, track and field is my third love.
0: Track and field Ign- electrifies this city unlike any other sport
1: yeah well and I football football but but
0: not in the same way yeah not in the same way like it, it gets electric
1: that's right but not
0: the same way that the olympic trials coming to town does and i cannot even begin to imagine or even fuck the marathon when the eugene marathon runs it yeah. is bigger than the civil war when yeah. oregon state comes down the street to play
1: so it, i was in it's the
0: biggest sporting event that eugene holds regularly
1: i was in law school for the 2008 olympic trials and uh at the time i was running not not competitively with a capital c but competitively and uh going to those trials we we kim and i were trying to find tickets we finally got tickets to but you get you know passes basically for the whole day and it's this whole entire mall and it's right across the street from the law school hayward field is literally when you're on the front porch of the law school it is in front of you. And so this is old Hayward field, which has been. Yeah. It used to be, you could watch events
0: from the second floor
1: demolished. Um, but we got passes. We go out and there's, there's some fun events happening that day, but in particular, the day's going to end with the 800 meter final and Oregon gets basically three guys through the final. And it was just the most exciting, you know, Nick Simmons was racing extremely well. Um, and it was just this event that we didn't know was going to happen, which happens sometimes in track and field. You don't know which races are going to blow up. And that 800-meter final was like nothing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the whole place... And 800 is not a long race. It's about it's, two minutes. It's the worst race ever. And you're, and you're watching... It's not a sprint, well, but it's, it's not a distance. It's painful. It's painful to do. But you're, you're watching these guys go, and you know, it's dynamic, there's there's position changes, and they come through that last 150 meters starting about middle of the curve, and you start to see the fields thin out, and then you see the kicks, and oh my god, it was the most dynamic, electric thing I've ever seen in person, and, and it was a buzz, it was a buzz, you look to your left, you look to your right, and everybody is buzzing Mm -hmm. it was incredible one of the coolest events of my life yeah Yeah. i'm excited for track and field if you don't watch it you should watch it it's fucking cool man yeah i'm really surprised that we're not so diamond league is is starting to pick up and and become cool uh but it's slower than i'm 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 a little surprised that track and field hasn't gotten more of a following i think the youtube the youtube angle the youtube pivot is Mm going to be is going to be big for track and field
0: i think it'll help i think part of the uh, it's chaotic in that it's you, totally chaotic you, you don't know what events are going on at what times there's 40 different events associated with track and field and it doesn't have the same it, it, it's hard to get behind a uh, a team the same way it is but any other sport like you can I don't I, well I don't understand cricket
1: at all no me either
0: but I kind of like watching it that's a, that was the first sport that came to mind that I didn't know any of the rules corresponding I think it's the to the
1: most popular sport in the world i think soccer is ever, right. oh yeah i think you're right but yeah. but second only to soccer
0: yeah i and i i could buy that but i don't i don't like understand per, the rules per person yeah.
1: because it's popular in india yeah yeah <laughs> I, I don't
0: understand the rules i don't know how it works but i kind of like watching it and you can get behind a team you can you can see a team yeah. kind of coming together and in individual sports unless people are like beating the shit out of each other it's kind of hard to enjoy an individual sport.
1: Sure. Maybe that's part of the. Ah no, I mean I love tennis. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I've got another thing. Do it. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show, but I'm always blown away by how cool this thing is. So Anchor is a company I know we've talked about. A-N-K-E-R. Mm-hmm. They're available on Amazon and I think increasingly other places, but Anchor's a Chinese company. They are priced like a Chinese company. So if you want anything electronic, if you want Bluetooth headphones, if you want a Bluetooth speaker, if you want uh, a, a, a car, a, a car USB, you know, a cigarette lighter, they make the power best bank. power banks. That's they make the it. best. That's what we've talked about on the show before. Is the is the power bank? But I've got a Bluetooth speaker. Mine is the Anchor Sound Core Two. And this thing, it's kind of got a grippy rubber texture on it. It's solid, it's small. It's about the same size as the Jabra version. Mm-hmm. Um and it costs 35 bucks. I think that the Jabra version is like 150-ish. That sounds right. Um, and and people love it. It's Bluetooth Connection. My anchor sound core two was 35 bucks. I've had it for three years. I use it almost every day. And here's where I use it. I put it on the top of my shower door. Oh, yeah. There's like an aluminum frame on my shower. And I set it up there. And so it gets steam and splash and wet. And it has never hiccuped. I charge it every couple of days because I'm only using it for, you know, 45 to 60 minutes a day when you shower. Less than that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a half hour ish. (laughs) You know, I'll, I'll put on Scottish watches or whatever, um, uh, or Bellingham podcast or whatever is you know next up in my queue, and get in the shower. It's it's been through it, man. I mean, short of using it poolside, I don't think you could use this thing a lot harder than I've used it. We have used it poolside, and we have used it poolside literally in Mexico. I mean, it is insanely good. It's insanely good. The quality, the sound is fantastic it's it's everything i would expect i've had other bluetooth speakers that i did not love as much um in terms of sound it's fantastic and i don't think we've ever talked about it on the show and i just thought if you're looking for a bluetooth speaker something to connect to your phone to give you a little better little bit better than phone audio
0: much better than phone audio
1: it is what you should buy and i don't say that lightly it is the one you should buy just buy it just buy it even if you don't think you need a bluetooth speaker You'll, actually just buy this
0: you'll soon find out that you need one
1: you know there's and so I, I, we're not sponsored obviously i'm not getting paid to say this there's uh there's i think it's called the cove there's a bluetooth speaker that all these youtubers pimp because cove is uh they give out sponsorships i i've never used it i don't know what it is i know it's more expensive than the anchor and i know that the anchor is better boom i know it's better has it's to be better Anchor, Soundcore. The one I have is the two. I think they may have a, a newer version. Buy the newest version you can. It's fantastic. America. Do you have anything else? I don't. I don't think I have anything else either. So I guess we should wrap. That's time. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. My apologies. We haven't updated very much lately. That's all me. It's been a hard couple of weeks. Also, if you'd like to support what we do here, please check us out at patreon.com slash 40and20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like.
0: Bye-bye.